Just one of the many ways that uh, God is using uh, your generosity to impact the world uh, with uh, the story of his son and excited to hear about all the good things that are happening in uh, Thailand along the uh, China-Burmese border. And that's, a, that's exciting. Uh, um, you know, we talk, about, we talk about the casual, reaching the casual uh, here at Wallula Christian Church because uh, when you, when you uh, knock on your neighbor's door, um, it might be that your neighbor uh, doesn't take seriously uh, spiritual things or, he, or they might not uh, uh, be followers of Jesus, uh, but uh, it's very, very likely that they have, uh, have some uh, history with the church or when you say the name Jesus, they're uh, probably familiar with who you mean, uh, at least on some level, uh, who Jesus is. And uh, Jesse and his team of evangelists going, you know, reaching places that uh, you have to have a four-wheel drive truck or they uh, dirt bikes to be able to reach or, or walking, hiking through those paths to reach folks who have literally never heard the name of Jesus before. So um, that's, that's just pretty cool. And uh, so thank you for that generosity and uh, grateful to be a part of a team that can share in that way. Uh, I don't know what you think of uh, New Year's resolutions, but this is the time of year that people make and break New Year's resolutions, don't they? Uh, maybe you've uh, made some New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've already broken some New Year's resolutions. I don't know. I, uh, there, there are some pretty common sort of ordinary everyday resolutions that maybe people make, you know, every year, you know, because there's always room for improvement in these areas, right? Uh, maybe, you know, folks say, hey, I want to eat healthier this year. I want to exercise more. I want to read more. I want to, I want to take better care of myself. I want to sleep, you know, eight hours a day, or I want to get my sleep habits in order. I want to be more organized. All of those sort of everyday ideas are kind of very common New Year's uh, resolutions. And, and uh, I, I don't know if you've made any of those or broken any of those already, but uh, I, I found some sort of out of the ordinary uh, New Year's res resolutions. These aren't super crazy, but they just sort of made me chuckle, right? I never thought of that. Maybe I'll resolve to do that this year. For instance, one person resolved that they would finish a tube of chapstick, Right? Have you ever finished a tube of chapstick? I started to think about it, and you lose them, or they go in the wash, or you never you don't know where they are, but I'm not sure I've ever finished a tube of chapstick, and so maybe that would be a, a worthy New Year's resolution uh, this year. Another person resolved not to text anybody in the same room or the same building, right? That, that's maybe a worthy New Year's resolution. I know that occasionally I'm guilty of this, even at home, like, you know, you want to get your kids' attention, so you text them so they'll respond. And, and so uh, that, that happens once in a while. Uh, you know, somebody else uh, said uh, they, would, they would resolve to wave at other drivers, all right, that, that's kind of cool. I, I do this sometimes. My kids will ask, why did you just wave to that person? Well, we, we passed them, so I waved. And maybe, maybe that's just part of growing up in a small town or the country or whatever. I, I thought that was sort of interesting. The last one that I found uh, sort of humorous is this person resolved not to do so much foot cleaning this year. And I, that's what I did. I thought, really? Because I'm going to wash my feet this year. I resolved to do that. But they mean like, you know, maybe you spill something on the kitchen, you grab a paper towel, and then you drop it on the floor and use your foot to clean 
that some of you know what I'm talking about. A little less foot cleaning, actually bend over and just clean it up. I, I thought those were sort of goofy New Year's resolutions. Then I found some that aren't maybe everyday sort of ordinary New Year's resolutions, but might be beneficial. One person resolved to have their picture taken in five new interesting places this year, right? Maybe they travel, see someplace new, uh, learn something that would uh, maybe improve uh, who you are and your background, your, you know, all those things. It'd be interesting to go to a new place. Another person resolved, uh, you know, we heard Zach a couple weeks ago, I, I think during a communion meditation, Zach, our youth pastor, say that he knew magic and sometimes he'll show magic tricks that he learned when he was a kid. And uh, one person resolved to learn a new party trick. You know, that, I thought that would be good. You know, have something to do at a, at a party, right? One person resolved to break a record. And I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know as if we need to resolve to break a world's record or whatever, but, you know, there, we all have our personal bests in all kinds of areas, and, and maybe we ought to resolve to improve one of those personal bests in one of those areas. Another person resolved to make a new friend. That would be an awesome thing. Uh, another person resolved to learn something you, that you should make a New Year's resolution to learn something that you didn't learn as a kid. And so, you know, they sort of had in mind those, those, those things that most normally we learn when we are young, uh, maybe learning to swim, if you don't know how to swim, learning to swim or ride a bike or parallel park or something like that, uh, maybe to learn something new is, is always a good thing. And I was just thinking about these New Year's resolutions. Some, you know, maybe don't make such a big impact in our life. Some might really improve our life or, or what have you. And, and I, I thought, why do 75%, at least 75%, of all New Year's resolutions that are made, why don't they last into the month of March? Why don't they last for three months in the new year? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because uh, we don't follow the definition of a resolution, right? If you look up the word resolution, you'll read a definition that says something like uh, to, to decide, to firmly decide to do or not to do something. You know, maybe we just don't make a firm decision. You know, maybe we don't really decide this is what we want to do. We just kind of write down some things that we, we think would be nice to achieve. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe they're just nice. Maybe they don't really make a big enough difference in our lives. You know, I started to think about some resolutions that people in, in the New Testament made. I, I, if, if you've read the story of when Jesus called uh, some of his first disciples, he called this guy by the name of Peter, and, and he said, Peter, come follow me. And what did Jesus tell Peter? I'll make you fishers of men. Right? I'll make you a fisher of, of, of mankind. I'll, I'll, I'll change your focus from being a fisherman, from catching fish, to impacting and making a difference in the lives of the people around us. You remember the story about Jesus being introduced to this or introducing himself to this, this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short guy. Jesus was coming to town. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. The crowds were gathering around Jesus as he made his way through town. And so Zacchaeus climbed a tree. And when Jesus approached that tree, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. I want to have dinner with you today. 
And Jesus goes to this dinner party with, Zac- with Zac- Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who had lived a life focused on collecting wealth, pursuing wealth, collecting as much stuff as he could and having that surround him. And that relationship that started with Jesus transformed Zacchaeus from a person who was consumed by wealth to somebody who wanted to give it away, who wanted to practice generosity. Or what about the Apostle Paul? Paul was a guy who was, was uh, doing what he thought God would have him do by chasing down Christians, putting them in prison, and sometimes even killing them. He meets Jesus on a road, has this transformative uh, interaction with Jesus. He's blinded. He meets folks in the local church. He learns about who Jesus is. He's transformed by that relationship. He's changed from a person who is trying to stop the early church to being a person who plants churches and towns and grows the story of Jesus throughout the world. They they made a choice. They decided. They resolved to follow after Jesus. We can make a resolution. We can resolve to follow after Jesus as well. We can make a resolution that will change our eternities and perhaps the eternities of folks around us. You need to know, though, maybe why resolutions don't make it into March is that when we make a resolution, we are accepting some extra responsibility in our life, huh? There are added responsibilities that go along with that. And following after Jesus carries with it some responsibilities. And I think there are three responsibilities that are taught in the very first four verses of the first chapter of the book of Luke. As we begin this series sent, we're going to take a look at at the person that, that Luke writes his gospel in the book of Acts 4. In Luke chapter 1, the first four verses, I think this uh, section of Scripture teaches us three responsibilities that we incur when we say yes to following after Jesus, that we're, we're accepting these responsibilities as well. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, if you're uh, using the Version app on your phone, you can, you can click Wallula under the events tab, and it'll take you to the outline this morning in this section of Scripture. In Luke, the first chapter... We're going to look at just the first four verses here this morning. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, this is what God's Word says. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Uh, Three responsibilities that uh, we learn from this section of Scripture, and responsibility number one is that we have a responsibility to learn. Learning was certainly important to Luke. Luke is a a physician. He's a doctor. He's a guy who who takes a very careful approach to sharing the story of Jesus and and his gospel and in the book of Acts. And In fact, maybe we we learn from from Luke how important kind of learning and the intellect is to him because in these first four verses we're reading, and, and we don't know it in the English translation, obviously, but we're reading really the only section of classic uh, kind of 
pretty uh, intellectual Greek writing in the New Testament. Most of the Greek that's used to write the New Testament is sort of a common everyday kind of Greek language. I remember we served for uh, six years in Yuma, Arizona, and and Yuma, there there are all kinds of uh, folks who work in agriculture, which is sort of odd. I didn't know that when I flew in for the very first time to Yuma. I was expecting kind of the brown and tans of the desert. And as I flew into that city, I saw all kinds of green. And what I didn't know is that I was seeing lettuce being grown in and around Yuma. And uh, so big producers of, of much of the vegetables that you probably purchase at the grocery store come from that area of, of the United States. Anyway, there's all kinds of, of farm workers and all kinds of folks who, who uh, speak Spanish to native Spanish uh, speakers in, in uh, that area of the country. And, and uh, I, you know, I'd have conversations with those folks and say, so you know Spanish, that's amazing to me that you can, I, I just, I've tried to learn languages and I just struggle with that. Some people are really good at it and some people not so much. I'm one, not so much. I really struggle with that. And, and uh, so this fascinates me that people just catch on quickly. And they said, oh, I don't really speak Spanish. I speak field Spanish. And what they meant is I speak kind of this common, everyday kind of vernacular of this language to communicate with, these, with, with folks that I need to communicate. And much of the New Testament is written in that kind of uh, Greek uh, style. It's sort of an everyday, common sort of language. But the first four verses here in the book of Luke, if you read it in the Greek and you study it, it it's, uh, proves, sort of, it points out how uh, intelligent that Luke is. And then for him to be able to transition into using idioms and stories of, of kind of the everyday and the, the gospel of Luke points out really how intelligent and, and how much of a, of a literary uh, genius that he was and perhaps doesn't get credit for. So learning is important to Luke, but, but more than that, he, he talks about three ways, I think, that, that we can learn more and more about Jesus, because for sure it was important to grow and, and for Luke to have all kinds of knowledge, but what he was really interested in was knowing and learning more and more about who Jesus is and the difference that he makes in our lives. And so he talks in verse 1 about the things that have been fulfilled among us. Uh, Luke uh, traveled with Paul, as, and we can learn that in the book of Acts. Is, you know, it, it points to the fact that he traveled with Paul, and he saw some of the things that Paul did, and some of the places where Paul taught, and, and so he, he saw God at work through uh, Paul. When things were going really great, in chapter 16 of the book of Acts, we, we read that probably Luke was with Paul as, as Paul uh, reaches out to this woman named Lydia and tells her the story of Jesus, and Lydia commits to following after Jesus. And so we see some of the really good stuff that happens in the ministry of Paul, and Luke was there. He experienced that. He saw God at work. Later chapters of the book of Acts, we we find out that Luke is probably with Paul again as he is, Paul, is under house arrest in the city of Rome. Uh, For two years, Luke was probably with Paul for a period at least of those two years while Paul was under house arrest. Luke saw how God was at work through Paul in the early church even when things weren't going so great. He saw the ups and downs of ministry and he saw the ups and downs in the life of Paul. He saw God at work through all of that. And we can learn about how God, uh, who God is and what he wants to do as we see him work in the lives of folks 
around us, as we see him work in his family and this team of Wallula Christian Church. Several weeks ago, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they said, you know, Lance, Wallula Christian Church saved our marriage. I said, well, what do you mean? Because, you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this family, and I'm trying to think about, you know, the, the folks that intervened in this relationship, right? I'm trying to think about, you know, the counseling sessions that were had, and there just weren't any of that, really. They said, well, just in the relationships that we built and in the small groups that we participated in and the, the, the fact that we came and we worshiped and, and we realized that, that people cared about us and that God still loved us and we experienced his love. And so just through the everyday kind of normal stuff that happens here at Wallula Christian Church, they said that made a huge difference in our marriage. It doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes there's extra work and whatever that has to go in, but we can see how God works in the lives of folks around us. We can see how God works in our lives and the impact that he's making. We can learn about who he is by how he works in, in the lives of folks around us. Verse 1 begins by saying, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And so lots of folks had written down and, and had worked to uh, share the story of Jesus in that way. And Luke made a careful study. He said he investigated carefully these works that he looked at. And, and scholars agree that, that probably uh, Luke used Matthew and Mark as a resource and that, that uh Mark was probably the first gospel written, and both Matthew and Luke uh, evidently drew from Mark, and, and scholars think that there's some other source that, w that Matthew and, and Luke had in common, because the, the material that is in common in Matthew and Luke isn't necessarily common in all three of those uh, synoptic gospels. And so, uh, in any event, uh, Luke made a careful study. He studied those other works, and he used those to be able to share his story of who Jesus is and what Jesus was doing. And we ought to, we ought to learn in the same way. We ought to make a careful study of God's Word. We ought to spend some time working our way through uh, God's Word and reading it. And, you know, th this is a time for resolutions, right? And if uh, there's, there's a, a great resolution you can make to be in God's Word more often, to firmly decide that you will spend some time uh, reading God's Word. There are some Bible reading plans that will take you through uh, Scripture in a year. Don't worry about the fact that they say begin January 1 and it's January 7th. Just dive in where you're at, right? Grab one of those, get started, spend some time uh, reading God's Word. If you've never done that, if you've never made reading God's Word a part of your everyday sort of schedule, maybe grab that five by five by five plan that'll have you read one uh, chapter uh, of Scripture in the New Testament. That'll probably take you uh, five to ten minutes to read that, and uh, you you can you can begin there and and start carving out some time to be in the study of God's Word. It's so important for us to follow after Luke and make a careful study, to, to listen to, you know, we, we read those stories about uh, Mary and, and Joseph and how Mary pondered all of that stuff. She set those things in order. We can't set those things in order without having it be a part of our everyday life. So, so be in God's word and study God's word. Maybe some of you need a, a bigger challenge. 
You've, uh, you've uh, studied, uh, made that a part of your life. You have a quiet time or a personal time of worship with God most of the time. And, and so you're looking for a little bigger challenge. And I, I had lunch with Sean and Susan and Chaustegui, one of the, our missionaries here, and they visited here several weeks ago and, and had lunch with them after that worship service. And he said, uh, Sean said, you know, Lance, you were reading from the book of Luke today, and I talked to my family on the way over here, and we decided this Christmas that we would read all the way through the book of Luke. And I said, well, that's awesome. That'll be a, a great thing to do. And, and I started thinking about Sean's conversation there and, and being in the Word and studying it, and I thought, man, we need to make that a practice in 2018 as a team. As a family, we need to make that a practice to really be in God's word uh, together and to study it. And I, I started to think, how can I encourage that? And I thought, I was talking to a friend, I thought, I, maybe we'll have a key verse every Sunday. And uh, we'll, we'll ask people to memorize that key verse. And, and I thought, well, that would be a great habit to get into. It's sort of a discipline that has sort of gone away a little bit in our world. Uh, and, and, and I thought, well, that would be awesome. We'll memorize scripture. And then I had flashbacks to being a 10-year-old in Sunday school class. You know, and I realized uh, I haven't changed so much from when I was 10 in Sunday school. Because I'd have that Sunday school memory verse and I would look at it on Saturday night, and I would read it, and I would memorize it, and I would say it out loud in Sunday school, and I would get my sticker, and on Monday morning, I couldn't tell you what that memory verse was much of the time, right? Not all the time, but much of the time. I thought, I mean, I don't want to be a serial memorizer. That's not what I want to do. I want, I want to be able to just sort of be in God's Word and, and to learn it and to know it. And I thought about Sean's conversation, and I did a little research, and I came across this, this preacher who says that when he was in seminary, he would, he would read through one book of the Bible every month. So for 30 days or so, he would read straight through that book of the Bible every day. And I thought that's, you know, if you're dealing with it, if you're engulfed in it day after day after day, then you might not have that section of scripture memorized after 30 days, right? Probably not. Some of you, maybe so. I'm not smart enough to do that. But I bet I can tell you what happens in that book of the Bible, right? I bet I can tell you some of the themes that occur over and over. I can tell you what, what God is trying to communicate, at least to me, in that book of the Bible. And so I thought, man, that might be a challenge that I should accept, and, and I, I want to, so I'm going to set a goal for myself, and I'd invite you to participate with me to set that same goal. Now, good goal setting requires a goal that is attainable, right? And so I didn't choose to start with the book of Romans. You know, I'm not, you know, maybe not 20 chapters or whatever that we need to read every day, but let's, let's choose a book in the New Testament that's a little bit uh, more attainable, more doable, all right, and, and so I just chose because our next sermon series in a month or so will be a, a series that walks through the book of Philippians. Philippians is a four-chapter book in the New Testament, all right? I suppose, depending on how fast you read or slow you read, it'll take somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes to read through those four chapters in the book of Philippians. And so my goal is to read over the next month every day those four chapters in the book of Philippians into journal. 
Just that's how I do my quiet time. I, this is free information, okay? So I just use a SOAP method. It's not original me, but it just means scripture, observation, application, and prayer, all right? And so I'm just going to write down the scripture reference. It will be Philippians every day, okay? And I'm going to write down what I observe in that section of scripture. I'm going to write down how I think I can apply that or what God wants me to do with that, okay? And then I'm going to write out my prayer, okay? Now, I, I do this in a, a small notebook, okay? Sometimes I do it on computer. Most of the time I do it in a small notebook. I pick a small notebook because I feel like, I, maybe you're not like this, but I feel like I have to fill up the page or I'm being bad, all right? You pick a small notebook, you're good every day, okay? So that's, that's my little hint there. But maybe you want to accept that challenge with me. If that's something you want to do, uh, you can just do it, right? I don't need to know. But uh, if, you would, if you would text this keyword, we need a practice plan. We need a plan to practice this together. If you would text this word practice plan just all together, okay, practice plan to this number on the screen, 278-1588. I'll send you some emails and texts just to encourage you along the way, okay? I won't bother you a ton, um, but I'll send you some, some help along the way. So if you want to, uh, want to engage in that way, I'd love to have you. But we need to be studying in God's Word, just like Luke took seriously this idea of learning by looking at these other accounts. We need to learn by studying God's Word together. So he, he took into account these other works, and verse 2 says, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, uh, Luke listened to others around him. He listened to these eyewitness accounts. He, he traveled with Paul. He was introduced most likely to James, the brother of Jesus in Jerusalem. He listened to folks who, who had lived and walked and listened and taught with, with and served with Jesus, and so he paid attention to other folks around him. And, and we can learn from other believers as well. The very best place here at Wallula for you to do that is to grow relationships in a small group. You have that information in your welcome packet. Uh, sign up for a small group. Participate in one of those. Learn from other believers as we do life together. Responsibility number one is to learn. Responsibility number two is to tell. We have a responsibility to share the difference, what we're learning, the difference that Jesus is making. Luke took this responsibility seriously as well. We, we can figure that out simply by the fact that when you read this two-part work that Luke pens in the New Testament that we call the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, then you're reading by sheer volume about 27% of the New Testament. That means by the number of words written, by the volume that's written, you're reading more from the pen of Luke than you are from the Apostle John or from Peter or even from Paul, who writes way more letters that are different books in the Bible, right? But by sheer volume, we're hearing more from Luke. He was serious about this idea of sharing what Jesus was teaching him. In verse 3, uh, chapter 1 of the book of Luke, it says, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account to, for you, most excellent Theophilus. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... 
You know, Luke is the only, is the only gospel that, that shares the full story of both Jesus and John the Baptist's birth. He, he starts at the very beginning and he works his way through. He makes this careful investigation. That Greek word that we translate as investigated is a Greek word that literally means to follow along. It sort of paints the picture of a reporter who might be uh, tagging along, who's, who's sort of tied at the hip to a celebrity or, a, or an athlete or a politician who's constantly peppering them with questions, trying to learn, making this investigation to find out what uh, their, 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 their uh, politician knows or their athlete can share about the game plan. And so that's sort of the picture that's painted as, as Luke did exactly that, and he followed along with Paul and his ministry, and he made a careful study of, of what he could learn. You know, it just made me think again that we are not meant to do, we're not meant to make this journey alone, that we need the relationships of others. And for sure, there's been folks in your life who have made a difference in your relationship with Jesus. I, I think about my own life, and I, I learned first about Jesus from some Sunday school teachers and from my parents and then from my youth minister and my pastor growing up. My, my roommates in college made a huge impact on my life. My, my wife continues to make an impact on my life through uh, her relationship with Jesus and, and just so many others here at Wallula Christian Church. And, and then I think about folks that have maybe uh, changed direction because of, of their relationship with, with our family. I think about uh, youth coaches in Yuma, Arizona that we serve with and that are now missionaries in Africa or, or the youth coach that we served with. And when I left you, I said, hey, you guys ought to hire this guy to be your youth pastor. They eventually did that. Now he serves as the lead pastor at that church in Yuma, Arizona, or one of our, our members of the youth group who's now the youth pastor at that church. Uh, you know, I think about how Luke has, has displayed this same idea. He traveled with Paul, so he learned from Paul. And Paul taught him about the difference that Jesus was making in his life. And, and Luke saw the difference that, that uh, Jesus was, was making through the life of Paul. And now Luke is writing this work to Theophilus and sharing that same story and making that same kind of difference. We need to be learning from others for sure, but we need to be passing on what we're learning to others as well. We need to have folks that we are mentoring and discipling and leading as well. And so we, we can tell the story that Jesus, uh, of Jesus and the difference that he's making in our life, just like Paul and just like Luke and just like Theophilus. Luke set out to write this orderly account. He's the only gospel writer to mostly write in chronological order. And so uh, that, that's something to remember. But in verse four, when he says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught, it's the purpose of this entire work. And and I just think about the, the fact that Luke was so sure that by his telling the difference that Jesus was making in his life, that the life of Theophilus would be different. You know, you can be sure that by sharing the difference that Jesus is making in your life, he'll impact others around you. He'll change the lives of other folks around you. He'll, he'll make a difference, and we can be certain about that. Second responsibility is to tell, is to share that, that story and the difference that Jesus is making. And finally, the, the third uh, responsibility, number three, is to send. This whole series is about who receives these letters, who receives these works. 
And we haven't talked about this guy, Theophilus, very much at all. But we read in verse 3 that this is the person, this most excellent Theophilus, is who's receiving this work. Uh, Luke is writing the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts for Theophilus. Uh, To be honest, we don't know an awful lot about Theophilus. We know that Theophilus is a Greek word that means friend of God. And so uh, some Bible scholars think, well, this is just sort of a stand-in. It just represents represents all friends of God, everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Luke is writing this story to, to impact their lives. And, and that makes some sense to us as we sit here with our Bibles open, reading those words. You know, we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, friends of God. And so we're, we're receiving that work. And, and so maybe there's some accuracy there. The only problem with that is, is that this most excellent, uh, those words, that, that's an official title. You know, we kind of read it and maybe you have uh, flashbacks like I do to Bill and Ted's Fabulous Adventure or whatever that movie was, right? Some of you get this. Uh, but uh, it, it's not just, hey, I want to be a really cool friend of God. It's an official title. It was an official title that was given uh, sometimes to, uh, to politicians. Governors would be called most excellent. Sometimes it was a, a, a title that was given to prominent uh, or wealthy individuals, uh, most excellent. Uh, when you read this sort of introduction and in other Greek works, often, often the person that this, the, the story was being written for, that the art was being uh, produced for, was the person who was footing the bill. It was the person who was providing the resources necessary for that work to be accomplished. Now, I don't know this for sure. This is for absolutely just Lance's opinion. But when I kind of take that history into account and I think about this title of most excellent Theophilus, it could be that Luke is, is writing to a, a certain politician trying to defend Christianity and promote it as a legal religion in the Roman Empire. That for sure could be what's happening. It could be that Luke just has come across this person through his travels and he is reaching out and telling the story of Jesus and he just wants to help Theophilus grow. That absolutely could be the case. I think we might be reading the fact that Theophilus has been resourcing some of Luke's ministry and that Theophilus has been making possible uh, Luke uh, to spend time writing out this, this lengthy treatise to be able to share the story of Jesus. And I think it reminds us of our responsibility to send to be able uh, to resource as much as we can the sharing of the love of Jesus. Uh, man, I want you to know that you've done a great job of this. This last, the, the ending of 2017, we received our Walk to the Manger offering. It was one of the largest Walk to the Manger offerings ever in the history of Wallula Christian Church. We, we received uh, $19,555 in our Walk to the Manger offering. And that's really awesome. That's very cool. It's going to help uh, our, our missionaries, Sean and Susan and Chaustegui, it will continue to, to fund some of the education that Susan in particular is pursuing right now to be able to, uh, to, to serve as a counselor to some of the, the folks that they encounter in their, their uh, service in Mexico. I, I learned from uh, our visit with them that uh, professional counseling is not prominent in Mexico, and that it's very difficult to find sort of solid, reasonable professional counseling, and it's way more difficult even to find Christian-based uh, kind of professional, uh, solid 
you know, counseling that you can count on. There are very few regula- regulations governing that, and so it's, it's difficult to sort of sort that out. That'll make a huge impact in the lives of, of the families that Sean and Susan and their camps reach and, and uh, their, their church that they serve in reach, and it'll just make a difference. And so thank you for your generosity and, and sending uh, in that way. That uh, Walk to the Manger offering will be used to, to fund our third Thursday meals uh, this year in 2018. Every month we, we feed hundreds and hundreds of people that otherwise might not have a meal on that, that day. And so making a huge impact of, of sharing the love of Jesus, being the hands and feet of Jesus in that way. Our helping ministry will benefit as well. Uh, we'll be able to continue to kind of meet some basic needs of the under-resourced in Leavenworth and Wyandotte County. Again, a powerful message sent uh, by being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that's awesome. Thank you so much for serving in, in the way that I think Theophilus was probably serving. And, and we can learn from uh, that sending. We, can, we have a great opportunity to be a goer and to be a sender. And so uh, thank you for participating in that way. Just, just know as well that 2018 is ahead of us. And God has some tremendous things planned for Wallula Christian Church. I absolutely believe that. We're going to talk about uh, maybe what God wants uh, to do through Wallula Christian Church at our vision dinner at the end of the month. There's some information in your bulletin about that. Pay attention to that. But there's more work to do in the sending. And so, uh, man, thank you for your generosity. And let's continue to send well in 2018. I was thinking about those New Year's resolutions, and I came across some folks that just tweeted some uh, uh, kind of ideas about resolutions, and, and uh, the first one is, is a person that says, hey, it's a new year, it's a new me, and he has some emojis of, of some fruits and vets, vegetables, I can't even say the words. He wants to eat you know, healthier, and then in January and in March, he has just pizza emojis, right? And so sometimes that's how resolutions go uh, for us, this next uh, this next tweet is about a, a person who says, "I'd love to, I'd love to say New Year, New Me, but I only have two punches left on my KFC loyalty card, and it's way too late to throw that away. You know, it's way too too late to to not follow through with that. And sometimes that's how our resolutions go. You know, I'll start tomorrow, sort of idea." Uh, finally, this last resolution. I don't know if this is sad or funny, but this person says. You know, I want this year, I want to work on my uh, self-esteem, but I'm not sure if I can do that, right? Sometimes that's how our resolutions go. Hey, we can resolve to follow Jesus, absolutely. We'll be accepting some responsibility to learn and to tell and to send, but man, the eternal difference that it makes is so worth it. Let's stand and worship him together.